Welcome, 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 geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to another all-new edition of Geek Me Radio. We are live from the show floor at Planet Comic Con. My guests are renowned artist Dennis Cohen. We're going to have Keith Giffen, legendary writer and author, and also Henry Winkler joins us, plus Rick Burchett. All that more. Stand by. We're talking TV, comics and movies, and video games. If you're driving around the greater St. Louis area, hearing this on 105.3 FM and 1380 AM, first of all, it's not too late. You can make it to Kansas City for Planet Comic Con. We're here at Bartle Hall Live with a ton of celebrities, artists, writers, and more. You can come on over. We're here all day today until 8 o'clock tonight. Sunday, the show goes on as well, so make sure to come out and check us out here at Planet Comic Con. We have a jam-packed show. We're going to get to our first guest right now, a renowned artist, one of the co-creators of Milestone Media. Here we go. We're here with Dennis Cohen talking all about his incredible career. We've got all the artwork laid out here. How are you, sir? I'm fine. I'm fine. It's great to be in Kansas City, Planet Comic Con. I'm so, I'm so happy to be here. And you're here all weekend long. We should mention, if you're listening to this right now and you're close to the Kansas City area, come on down. We're here all day today and tomorrow. Sunday, we're here for the show. Yep. And uh, we just talked about it. He's going to auction off a Black Panther uh, poster. That's awesome. Well, not auction off, but it might be end up go, not going it home with you. auction. We'll see. <laughs> we, don't want, we don't want to take my Black Panther poster back home. So right. it's here for anyone who, who, who really wants it. If the price is right. If the price is right. Of course. <laughs> So let's start with, um, as a, everyone's got their, all superheroes had their origin story. You, as a 14-year-old kid, introduced to, uh, kind of thrown into the comics, working with uh, the creator of Deathlock, of all people. What yes. an amazing start to yes. your career. Yeah, no, a friend of mine in high school was working for him and uh, offered to introduce us because I was always hanging around this guy who's the best artist at art and design in my high school. So he's like, hey, man, you want to come along? I'm going to go meet Rich Buckler. I'm like, I'm 14 years old. It was my first, I was a, uh, not even a junior. I was a freshman, and uh, so I went with him, and he got the job with Rich, and Rich ended up hiring me as, like, the assistant to the assistant to the assistant. Regional manager. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I ended up getting coffee and stuff like that. and that and, sounds uh, familiar. Yeah, <laughs> and running errands and cleaning up a lot, but that was how I got into comics. And, I mean, there's no one better to get into comics or into comics under. And then well, some of the greats you've worked with, uh, Dennis O'Neill on The Question. I've worked with Denny. I've worked with Neil Adams. I've worked with Arvell Jones, Keith Pollard, um, Ron Wilson, uh, Gray Morrow. I've done a lot of different stuff. I've met all of them. But remember, I started when I was a teenager. Right. So you had that time. So to I get- had the time to, like, meet people. And in, in a sense, you know, we always joke around about, like, how, the, how like, I was raised by wolves. 
because I was literally growing up, and these were these were the people I was around all the time. It doesn't get more wolfish than Neil Adams. Let me get tell more you, wolfish than Neil. <laughs> Neil's the best. He's awesome. He is. He's great. And then we should say, obviously, work with Dwayne McDuffie. Uh, which I work with Dwayne. I met I met Dwayne at Marvel Comics. Uh, he, along with a guy named Greg Wright, were the writers on Deathlock. Mm-hmm. Jackson Geis, who was known as Butch Geis, who was known as Jackson back then, had done the first two issues of a miniseries, Deathlock miniseries, and they asked me to step in and do the second two. I did, and that's how I met Dwayne. We hit it off really well, and then he and Greg ended up writing the regular series. They asked me to do it, and, you know, that was it. We were together ever since then. And it's kind of cool, too, if you think about coming full circle from your first job being with the creator Deathlock to working on the Deathlock book. Death Lock. Been it was pretty surreal. bizarre. It was surreal. It was surreal. Because, like, Deathlock was one of my favorite books growing up, mm-hmm. and reading Rich Buckler comics, and his Deathlock was one of my favorite things. So when I got a chance to draw it, I was thrilled. I was also very intimidated. So it was, it was both. And talking about Milestone, because uh, all creators love to leave their mark, but few really get to leave such an indelible imprint. And the, the founding of Milestone must have been amazing to be part of that from the ground up. You went and you sat down and did a character Bible, a backstory for all these characters. How long did the planning start until the launch of Milestone with hardware and static and all the We started we working on the idea of Milestone. Actually, we, we conceived it in San Diego, San Diego Comic-Con. Okay. Um, uh, and I'm like, what was the year? 90, 91, something like that. Yeah, something like um, It took about a year for all the development stuff to happen. And we did do Bibles for everything, created a whole universe. And by Bibles, it's just a written summary of who this character is, where he's from, what his powers are, what his environment is. And we did that for every character, every book that we did. Um, and it was a year. It was a year of meeting in secret. We're meeting in top <laughs> secret in restaurants trying to plot this thing out. It was like you were a Hydra except the good yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah, except the good guys. <laughs> and and uh, then we, you know, we presented it to, uh, to DC Comics. And, they, you know, thankfully they wanted to, to do it and publish it. And seeing everything come back, we've got now uh, with uh, Static and everything like that, the um, New 52. Um, how did have, have you ever seen a story with some of the characters you've worked on that didn't quite sit right with you or like, well, I would have done something differently? Or is it, do you just have to kind of let that once go? You, as yeah, a I, mean, I mean, once you have the characters out there and other people work on it, we're open to you know other people's interpretations of, of, of what we created and what we did. It's, it's fun to see. I don't always agree with the direction. Mm-hmm. I don't always go, oh, man, I wish they wouldn't have done that. But nonetheless, you know, somebody else did zombies, somebody else did static shot. Can't, you can't you can't have enough books. Right. You know, so it's always good. And then working in TV production, too, obviously, on the Static Shock series for WB. Um, I've done a lot of TV stuff. I did a... Boondocks. Static Shock. I started the Boondocks with Aaron yeah. and Reggie. Um, Black Panther miniseries, the Black Panther series on BET. That got very little play, but all of a sudden, when the, when the movie came out, they re-released it. Like, I would hope we so. We were always in it. I'm like, you guys, <laughs> you guys suck. Um... But a lot of different, a lot of different TV shows like that. So, so with all the creators you've worked on, we mentioned so many of them. Is there anyone who you haven't worked with yet who's kind of like on your target list? That's oh, I'd love to collaborate with this person or with this person. Is there anyone, or do you have any projects coming up that you're working with someone already on? There are certain creators that I have not worked with yet that I would love to. I've, I've had the pleasure of working with the very best writers and the very best inkers. Working with Bill Sienkiewicz and people like that. Those are my yes. pals and, and, yeah. and, and Kent Williams. They work with me. Um, there are a couple of writers whose work I think is, is, is really hot. Um, I would love to do something with Tom King one day. I love the way he writes. Talking about hot. He's a great guy. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's more than being hot. It's like he's really a really great writer. Sure. Um, 
guys like Grant Morris and all those goes to Duke. The guy I really want to get together with is a guy named Jeff Lemire. I know the name. Black Hammer. Okay. Green Arrow. Okay, yeah, Green Arrow. That's where I know him from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, he has all this stuff that's being in movies and TV now. He's, he's really the man. Jeff is a great writer, so it would be great to collaborate with him. And you're no stranger to Batman, obviously. I haven't worked on him as well. Worked on Batman. What's, uh, of all of all the drawings, the characters you've sketched, you have one that's close. It's, I would assume someone from the Milestone, but um, the question, Batman, anybody who's like your all-time favorite That's character? not Milestone? Yeah. Take Milestone out of the loop? Right. <laughs> it would be a toss-up between Deathlock and The Question. Okay. Probably. I mean, The Question, I just love. I just love drawing that character and... Not having to draw superhero muscles was good. Right. Yeah. How do you like Deathlock's portrayal in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? I like the actor a lot. Yeah, I like that he's guy. Great. He's a good Love guy. Love him on Angel. Yeah, and yeah, he's a good guy. Um, I wish they would have... Comics work best on screen when they really draw from the source material mm-hmm. and don't try to like change it. Don't, don't, don't mess with it. Have Deathlock show up in his Deathlock costume. Yeah. Be Deathlock. You know, be be that guy with the, be intimidating, be all that. Um, so that was my only problem with it. I never saw that. Mm-hmm. I don't remember seeing that. In, in, Not in, really. In, no. He had like some stuff going on, but they were trying. To, it's like they were embarrassed that he was a cyborg superhero, right? As opposed to embracing the whole thing. That's what it felt like to me. Anytime I see a deviation on the comics material to the point where you don't even recognize the character, I'm like, well, y'all didn't respect the source material you're embarrassed by it that's do, i think very it. important i agree yeah. with you there do it do it right anytime they do it right you put costumes on them it's all good you know so but aside from that i like seeing a character on tv but i think he's he deserves another shot as he is if you had to fan cast and be in the art direction everything is there a, someone you would cast him as if they did a netflix original series or a movie on the new DV, uh, disney streaming service right i would now? do the michael collins one the one okay. that we did um, so it'd be a black actor. Yes, people who could play him. Michael Jai White could play Hardware. He would kill Hardware. Yeah. Um, Idris Elba would kill. Would be a great Hardware. But he's doing that in that Hobbs and Dobson movie or whatever. That's right. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. He's kind of yeah. like a Hardware kind of guy. <laughs> um, there's a number of actors that 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 could do it. I mentioned some older ones. There's younger guys coming up too who could do it. But there's, you know, there's there's potential casting out there. And last question, I want to remind everyone, if you're sure. driving around, we're here at Planet Comic Con, come meet Dennis, get the autograph, get something signed, get a, uh, a print or anything like that. Yes. And last question before I let you go, top three favorite Marvel movies of the cinematic universe so far, leading up to Endgame here, what are your top three oh favorite? Oh my God, that's a good one, because I've watched them all hundreds of times. I think they're all great. <laughs> um, there's some in the middle, there's some at the end, but they're all consistently good. And then there's like my Thor 2, which is Top you know, three right now. Still, Captain America Winter Soldier. Still, dope as a little dope. Uh, I'm a big Black Panther fan, I have to admit, yeah, of the yeah. movie. I mean, we did the poster, right? yeah, so... Yeah, it's beautiful. I love it. Um, you know, I'm like Kevin Smith. I keep going back to Avengers Infinity War and watching it again and again and getting something new out of it every time. Yeah. You know, it's, it's bizarre. It's like, oh man, I didn't even see that before. It just has layers and layers. Uh, so that would be my top my top three. Perfect. Yes, sir. Dennis Cohen, thank you so much for your time thank today. You. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. There he goes. You can come down and see Dennis all weekend long here at Planet Comic Con. He is right along the wall here of Artist Alley. Come check him out. We're going to take our first break. 
We're going to come right back talking with another fantastic artist and writer, Keith Giffen, all about his career creating Lobo, the Justice League, and more. Stand by. Great hair. May the force be with you. This is Susan Eisenberg, voiceover actress, and you are listening to Geek to Me Radio. Geek to Me Radio broadcasting live from the floor of Planet Comic Con. Susan Eisenberg, our guest last week. She's at WonderCon promoting Justice League versus the Fatal Five. And no stranger to Justice League, Keith Giffen, who was writing a long time alongside one of our other previous guests, Jamie DeMatteis, on that fantastic book from the 80s. We had a great talk with Mr. Giffen. Here talking with Keith Giffen. Uh, legendary comes to mind when you think about uh, all the writing and the drawing and everything you've done over your career. Legendary? No, I, 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 drew, I drew a paycheck. <laughs> you drew, I drew a and paycheck. did it nicely, too, with all the crea- co-creator of Lobo, we should mention. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was always curious for Omega Men. He had that thing when you hit him and he bleeds, each blood would kind of... That was the original idea. And then I suddenly realized I've created a character where I have to draw him over and over again. And it became difficult. It's, it's like, it's a great idea. It's great for a one-shot gag. But for an ongoing series with a character, it becomes a problem. You know, it's like every time you drop drop a blood hits, it grows another lobo. I think one of the guys followed up on that mm-hmm. and did that and, and came to me and said, uh, never again. It's, it's never again. <laughs> it was no. done after it's, that. It's too much. So you like where the character ended up going uh, as far as the, the bounty hunter, the whole uh, the, the I difference did, changing I, him? I did him as a bounty hunter. Look, I don't like lobo. Really? I don't like the character. I didn't like the character when I first did him. He was an indictment of characters like Wolverine or, or uh, uh, these, these characters that came up with heroes that killed. Mm-hmm. And I thought it would be a funny thing to do and people would, haha, I get the joke. Nobody got the joke. The character took off and I was trapped with him. And I tried to get, I, I tried to get off the book. And I think finally what happened was uh, I asked Dick Giordano, I said, look, I, I, I can't do this much longer. I hate the character. And he goes, well, it's popular. I said, I'll tell you what, uh, I'll continue doing the character, and the first time you openly censor me, I get to leave, and I'm not going to jerk around here. I know what not to do in a comic. I'm just going to do what the Lobo I want, and you censor me, and I get to leave. And he lasted until, I think, the third or fourth issue of Lobo's Back, where there was a full page shot when we sent him to heaven. Right. And he met Torquemada and the Inquisitors of Doom. That wasn't the original page. Really? The original page was Combat Christ and the Howling Apostles. <laughs> and he called up and said, okay, you're off. There you go. And I, I, I never liked the character. I, I, he was popular. He made money. But I never really cared for the character. Huh. That's, I've never heard from a creator before who's done something that they didn't like a character. That's I very interesting. Didn't, I didn't you heard like, it here first, folks. Yeah, I, I didn't like the character. It's, it's just something about... I, it was like it, it was like creating Frankenstein's monster, hmm. and he caught on, and that drove me crazy. It drove me crazy. How can you like this character? How can you want this character? He's right I just I did stories deliberately trying to get people to hate him, and nobody would. Nobody would. I remember one Lobo I had to actually go through, blazing chain of love, 
he slaughters all of these women. Then DC goes, no, 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 he can't slaughter them. So I had to go in with the artist and draw little bitty, bitty hypodermic needles and stuck in their asses. <laughs> it, was, it got to be ridiculous. So shifting topics to more humorous, yeah. Justice League that you co-wrote with James DeMatteis. Yeah. Justice League Europe, the spinoff. Yeah. That was brilliant. A to- total departure from the way Justice League had been done. We never meant it to be humorous. Really? It just happened. It was, I think, wow, uh, Moving Day. We did a show called Moving Day. What we suddenly realized, wait a minute, this humor kind of works. Then we started getting deliberate about it. But look, for the first look, when Justice League first came out, uh, when we did the co- first couple of issues, uh, Mark, Kevin, and I looked at it and thought, oh, God, we are so screwed. Mark, Mark and Kevin were looking for other jobs. I was sniffing around in D.C. for something else I could do. We thought it was going to bomb. We thought it was dead. Then the sales figures came in. We realized we had a hit, and we started you know, doing the stuff we did. And we figured, well, now, now what's D.C. going to do? We have a good selling book. Screw them. <laughs> so was there any point on that series where, you again, you thought, like, okay, we're going to push the envelope as far as we can go? Do you remember a certain issue of that series where you kind of... Well, yeah, I, I, I think I think we poked the bear when we did Justice League Antarctica. <laughs> I, I have that Justice League America Annual Four, yeah. by the way. Yes, yeah, I uh, still have where that. We just did that. I think we went a bit too far on that. <laughs> but uh, I wanted I wanted to leave Justice League issue fifty. I figured fifty is a good run. I want to leave, but they talked me into staying, and I shouldn't have. <laughs> I, I think we did three good issues after that. So it sounds like in your career you have a lot of regrets. What do you love about your career? <laughs> I always have regrets about that. I, I think if I get too comfortable with my career, then I, why am I doing it? Every book I do, I go back and I go, oh, jeez, why did I do that? I don't have any book that I really feel comfortable with. I go, really? That was a good book. No, I, find, I, see, I just see the faults. Is I, that just a writer being self-critical, though? Because obviously people know. come up to you, they've got Trencher comics there, yeah. you sign everything. They love your work. Is that... That's, I guess it's just me. I, I mean, it's like... I keep seeing what I could have done better in it. So, I look, I don't own a single comic. Really? I don't own a single comic. Not one that I've done. All, of the, all the comics, when they showed up, uh, the, the comps, mm-hmm. I threw in my neighbor's wood chipper. <laughs> and I just, I, I don't own any comics at all. You walk into my house, you never know I do comics. Hmm. Well, thank you for that, because it probably makes my comics yeah. more valuable now you've destroyed yeah, all the I comps. Destroyed all so the comics. Yeah, got, got rid of them all. <laughs> you know, I just... Uh, I'm interested in the book I happen to be doing, and when I get when I run out of stories to tell, I move on. So coming back then and revisiting Justice League, uh, the couple times you've done it, is that fun to come back though and revisit? It, it? was fun because we found a new way to do it. When we did, when we decided to take them and make them the people's heroes, have a storefront. Yeah, it was different. I could not have gone back to the embassies. I couldn't have done it. Hmm. And we should mention, too, you were uh, production design on the real Ghostbusters cartoon. We've had Maurice LaMarche on our show before, who voiced Egon. Yeah. That was such a great show from the yeah. 80s. Everyone loved it. How do you like working on that versus I comic books? <laughs> I hated Big it. Big surprise. I, just, you, I, I, I absolutely <laughs> hated it. I even did some storyboards for... Uh, I did storyboards for Static Shock. I did storyboards for Batman Beyond. I hated it. Uh, the one thing I did, like, I wrote... Two or three episodes of Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Yeah, okay. That I liked. That I, that I enjoyed. That I enjoyed. But I wasn't doing the storyboards, which were horrible. Hmm. I, I, I don't know. 
Very interesting career then if you hate most of you. I've, I've never talked to somebody who didn't like their work as much as you had. This is surprising. No, I just, it's such good work. Everyone else loves it. Well, it, okay, but, you know, it's <laughs> like if I get too comfortable with it, I'm going to start taking shortcuts. And right, I still don't take shortcuts to this day. I, I'll finish a page. I'll look at it. Ah, I screwed it up. and I'll, I don't just put the page aside. I destroy it. Really? Yeah, I'll rip wood the page. again? The neighbor's wood chipper? No, I, I rip them up. And uh, I rip them up so that I can't get lazy later on and figure, eh, I'll stuff that in there. All right. Well, it's very interesting here. I, I would never have guessed from someone as prolific as you. I, I like to keep busy, but uh, I... I I guess I, I guess I do have standards, and, and if, if it falls below the standards, I'll destroy it. I won't hand it in. So you're critical of yourself. What do you see out there uh, that you've either seen other people do that you really like? Because um, I would assume there's a lot of stuff out there you do like yeah. in the DC comic books world, or Marvel for that matter. Uh, you know, I, 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 like, I like when somebody can take a book and make it theirs. I like what Frank Miller did on Daredevil. I like what John Byrne did on the FF. Not so much their stories. But the way they approached the book, and they, they made the book theirs, they, they took over the book. Um, when it comes to the current DC stuff, I like some of the stuff done by Tom King. I think he's a yeah. real talented yeah. guy. Um, okay, that's about it. <laughs> um, I'm not, I, just, I don't need comics. I think that's, that's a big problem. I flip through them to see what's going on. The last comic I actually read and enjoyed uh, was Akira. Okay. I like I like to care a lot, but uh, for the most part, I find that the best way to do comics is not to read comics. That makes sense. Yeah. But you said you've got another series coming out that we can look for, the Inferior Five. The Inferior Five. Yeah. So when what? Uh, give us a little bit, the listeners who want to know about what the kind of premise will be and when we might be able to see that on the shelves. It's, uh, it's not the Inferior Five that you know. It's five new kids, and it's my version of kind of Stranger Things by way of Twin Peaks, and it's the sequel to Invasion. Which I had to sign that poster. Thank yeah. you. It was great. Yeah, just, it's, it's just I'm having fun with it. It's Good. twelve issues. I can do what I want. So. And you think after you're done with the twelve issue run, you'll look back and hate it? Probably. <laughs> Keith Kiffin, oh. it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks very much for your time today. Take care, man. You too. There he goes, Keith Giffen. Uh, we are going to take our next commercial break. We'll come right back talking with the Fonz himself, Henry Winkler. Stand by. This is Michael Rosenbaum. You might know me as Lex Luthor or Martin X from Guardians of the Galaxy. And you're listening to geek to me Radio. Why am I talking like this? We are back. Still broadcasting live from Planet Comic Con. Uh, Michael Rosenbaum, a talented actor who's worked with our next guest, Henry Winkler. Before we get to that interview, though, I want to make sure I thank our premier sponsor, Historic St. Charles. Check out the website, discoverstcharles.com. This show would not be on the air without them. We greatly appreciate their support. If you've never been to downtown St. Charles, you are missing out. Uh, Much like a Comic-Con, there's always something to do, always something to see. They've got beautiful historic buildings. It's picturesque. It's a great place to go on a first date. It's a great place to go if you're celebrating an anniversary of a first date or an anniversary in general for someone's birthday. Take them down there. There are restaurants. There are shops. There are places you can grab a quick drink or a cup of coffee, depending on what you're up for, if it's an evening or afternoon date. 
but it's beautiful, it's fantastic, and the fact that it's right here in our backyard is something we should all be very happy for. If you're listening to this and you're not in the greater St. Louis, St. Charles area, go to the website, which is discoverstcharles.com. Plan your trip now. They've got a huge sesquicentennial coming up to celebrate uh, the founding of the city, 250 years old, and there's every bit of that history you will is on display when you go down and check out historic St. Charles. Thank you. Huge thanks to Joe Ward and Elizabeth Phelps at the CVB for always being in our corner. Uh, discoverstcharles.com is that website. Now, without further ado, the Fonz. Talking with Emmy Award winning, Golden Globe winning, uh, knighted, I should call you Sir Henry, shouldn't I, after 2011? You can't look me in the eye, that's I'm, all. I apologize. I'll yeah. stop that right now. Okay. So uh, we got to talk about Barry. Uh, congratulations Sunday to the Emmy win. Coming back this Sunday, season two. You ready? Are you stoked? I am so ready because it's filmed. Right. I now am <laughs> very excited that uh, it's going to go on the air. Uh, another incredible season. As a stage performer, you're filming this stuff. Like you said, it's in the can. The, the night before it comes on air, though, do you still get butterflies at all? You get butterflies because you hope people will come back. And then when they come back, you hope that they will enjoy as much as they did the first. And I believe they will. It's darker this year. And, uh, you know, there are pistols to my head. There are relatives I didn't know I had. There are strange things. And I heard you on Michael Rosenbaum's podcast talking about working with Bill Hader. Yes. And I can't imagine a better guy to work with. He seems like one of those well, mad geniuses. He, he and Alec Berg are brilliant together. Mm-hmm. They really, um, they're yin and yang. They produce, they direct, they write. And then, of course, Bill Starrs. Yes. Yeah. And we've got also the Hank Zipser novels. You just did the last in the series, is that yes, correct? There you are and Lynn 20, Oliver? There are 28 Hank Zipsers. And the very last one uh, ever is now out in the world, and it's called Everybody is Somebody. So it's pretty brilliant. Perfect way to end it on. Yeah. And we want to mention, too, your collaborations with Adam Sandler, uh, five movies on him. Oh Another God. guy, is it, are you guys exchange Christmas cards? Is it one of those you guys call each other for birthdays? How yes. Uh, I write him all the time. Uh, his daughter's 13th birthday is coming up. And um, I love him very much. I really do. And I love that you're a fan. You write letters to, like, John Lithgow because you love his performance in The Crown. That's um, it, right. You're such a fan, but you're such a professional. It's, to, it's amazing. Uh, uh, Jeff Daniels on uh, Newsroom. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's very important. Patricia Arquette in uh, Escape from Dannemore. And we should say Arrested Development, the last of season five, those last episodes dropped on Netflix. Absolutely. Is that uh, hard to say goodbye to a series you've been working on for almost, what, 12 years? Well, you know what it is? Uh, I'm very proud that I was part of that show. It's that Mitch Hurwitz is another man that I was lucky enough to work with who is a brilliant, brilliant writer. I think you kind of know Ron Howard, too. I met him once or twice. Yeah, he's, he's okay. He looks good in a baseball hat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and with you being here at Planet Comic Con, you're here all weekend long. I so am. people can come down and see you. I will be here until Saturday at about uh, 2.30. Uh, Sunday. Uh, Sunday until uh, about uh, 2.30. So I'm here all day Friday, all day Saturday, and I'll be here part of Sunday morning. And we want to make sure people tune in this coming Sunday on HBO. Barry Season 2 comes out. Real quick, before I let you go, we're going to play a little game called Celebrity This or That. I'm going to ask you a pair, and you just pick of the pair which you like better. For vacations, mountain or beach? Uh, Mountains. Smooth or crunchy peanut butter? Smooth. Job or Buster Bluth? 
Buster. Laverne or Shirley? Well, there I would have to go both because they really were a dynamic duo. But, you know, I'm very good friends with um, Cindy Williams. Yes. Plays Shirley. Uh, I, I love her. I love her ability. Yeah. And finally, dark chocolate or white chocolate? Dark chocolate, 55% without a doubt. And as a matter of fact, if you cover it uh, on an orange slice, uh, I am in heaven. Fantastic. We'll know what to bring you for next time we see you then. Henry Winkler, thanks very much for your time today. It's been you a know, pleasure. I like geeking out. We appreciate that. Thanks so much. There he is, the one and only Henry Winkler. Remember, Barry on HBO tomorrow, Sunday. Check it out. It's coming back for its second season. Emmy Award for Outstanding Lead Actor from Henry uh, this past time for his performance as Gene Cosno. We want to mention before we go to commercial break, our other sponsor, Marcus Theaters. Uh, MarcusTheaters.com is the website. If you have not yet seen Jordan Peele's Us, get out in the theater. See it in Marcus Theaters. If you uh, want to get your tickets for Avengers Endgame, which is going to be huge, make sure you see it at a Marcus Theater. If you want to see it, see it in the right environment with those big, comfy seats that are heated. They've got the dine-in where you can have them bring food to you in the seats. They've got the big DXL screens. Uh, the seat in IMAX, if you go to an IMAX thing, we saw... A, uh, Alita Battle Angel at the Ronnie's Theater and the IMAX it was just, I was blown away the movie's great, but a great movie is always better when you see it in the right environment Marcus Theaters has come in, they've renovated all the Werenberg Theaters and made them even better it is a experience to go see a movie and it's brilliant, so if you get the chance to go see a movie do it at a Marcus Theaters check out the website for all the upcoming movies buy your tickets right there online, 11 different states MarcusTheaters.com is the website. We're going to take our next break. We're going to come right back talking with artist extraordinaire Rick Burchett. Stand by. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. You're listening to Geek to Me Radio. That voice you just heard, Kevin Conroy, bring us back from break. And I don't think anyone draws Kevin Conroy like my next guest, Rick Burchett. We're live on the show floor with you. How are you, sir? I am fine, James. How's it going? Good. Last time we had you on air, I think you were next to Kevin Conroy for our live broadcast from here. That is correct, sir. And it was a thrill. It really was fun. So you've got uh, your sketches. You've been taking commissions. I know you're a little behind, so thank you for taking time to speak with us out of your schedule here. But... You mentioned we were talking off air. The new project you've got coming up that you're working on sounds really, really cool. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, it's uh, I'm doing a graphic novel for the United States Navy. They have an editor there. They have their own publishing division. I didn't know that. It's based at Annapolis. They have an editor there who's a comics fan, and he convinced them to do a series of graphic novels based on the history of the Marines and the Navy. And so it'll be a, an entire series of books. It's called Dead Reckoning. The series is called Dead Reckoning. Each book will be a standalone uh, storytelling of a particular person or an incident or something that happened in the history of the Navy or the Marines. And when is, is it is the first issue already out? Is it coming out soon? You know, release date? Um, yeah, they have started to roll them out. Uh, I actually saw one they did. One of the early ones they did was a reprint 
of an old uh, newspaper. No, it was an old comic book, Don Winslow of the Navy. It was popular during the 1940s. Uh, it was a newspaper strip, a comic book. They made a couple of serials, movie serials about the character. So it was a big deal during the 1940s. And they have collected a bunch of those comic stories and put them in book form and put them out. And there have been others coming out as well. And talking about the 1940s, you also said you're collaborating with someone else, a writer, editor, who's kind of bringing that world of cult back to us here. Yeah, a fellow named Christopher Mills, who has a long history in comics. He was an editor at Techno Comics. He has been a writer, a self-publisher, a lot of things. And he is putting together, it's a pet project of his. It's something he's always wanted to do. He's going to publish comics that look like the ones... did when he was growing up, which is the 1970s. He has taken public domain superheroes from the 1940s and 50s that, that you know, you can use them freely, that you're not stepping on anybody's copyrighted trademark toes, and uh, he's updating those characters and publishing comics that will look like they came out of the 1970s. Um, I am doing a couple of books for him. I've designed all the characters for him. Uh, he's He's going to have letters pages in these comics, and he even had me do a fake hostess ad <laughs> with a character from the 50s called Atomic Mouse. Uh, so it's, I mean, it really, it's not, they're not uh, parodies. They are actually homages to these characters and to the comics of the 70s. Those hostess ads, I love, I go, go through all my old comics when I'm reading them. The ads are half the fun. You got the ads for sea monkeys, you got the ads for... Uh, Green Lantern stopping villains by throwing Hostess fruit pies at them. Oh, yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, they, they are fun. And to, to kind of uh, create a verisimilitude to this whole thing, he, he wanted to, to do the, the house ads that used to be in the books, advertising the other books in the line. He wanted to do a Hostess ad. He wants to do letter pages. Everything that you would see in a comic during that period. All the stories are self-contained. There are no continued stories. Uh, and, and he just... It, they're turning out really, really good. I think people are going to be surprised when they see these because they look like they don't look like fan publications. They look like real comics. And again, what's the publisher's name, and when can people look for those on the shelves? Okay, uh, his name is Christopher Mills. It's the Atomic Action line of comics. Um, they are available through mail order only right now until okay. until Chris gets enough of them out that retailers will want to buy them but you can get them if you go to atomicaction.com uh you can order them through the mail there uh also you can get them through indie planet and uh it's it's for right now it's just email he had the first one just came out a week ago and he is publishing them as they get finished because chris is writing all these himself he is turning that the scripts over to artists he knows who are willing to work for free and uh, we're all doing our stuff, and as the books get done and get turned in, that's the next book that'll come out. I believe the next book will be out in April. Okay. So, so there, and and there is no rhyme or reason to the public publishing schedule. It's as the books get finished, they will be out. Uh, the the website will tell you when the next one is out, when it's available. Uh, there's a ton of stuff coming down the pike. All, everything from superheroes to barbarians to space opera. We're even going to get to do a Western. So uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, some of the characters you may recognize. He's using uh, the Black Owl, 
He's using the Black Terror. He's using Swift Arrow, Lady Blue, the Heap. Um, I, I'm doing Crom the Barbarian, which is uh, a creation of comic art writer Gardner Fox. Um, there were only three Crom stories written in the 40s, and so Chris is going to revive him as a barbarian, and I'm going to do that. Uh, so it's it can be anything and everything. It's going to be a lot of fun, uh, and that's that was Chris's main impetus for this whole thing, is he wanted to make comics fun again and imaginative. And what I've seen so far, it looks great. And you mentioned Gardner Fox obviously did a lot of work in the Silver Age for DC, uh, Flash, Batman, Green Lantern. Yep. And we should talk about today, happy Batman Day to you, Rick. Thank uh, you, James. the 80th anniversary, March 30th, of Batman's first appearance. Yep. Um, and you being a huge name in that legacy of Batman, uh, what, what if, what as a kid looking at Batman, going to be an artist on Batman, can you talk a little bit about uh, your your place in the Batman world, what Batman's been in your world? Um, you know, that's a kind of a funny thing. I never wanted to draw Batman. Really? I never. <laughs> and it's not because I didn't like the character. It's because I figured everything had been done visually. You know, you had everybody from Dick Sprang to Neil Adams. Uh, it, it, all the art styles, I thought, had been done and I did I couldn't think of anything that I could actually bring to the character visually that would be different or exciting and then in 1992 along came Batman the animated series yes. which which was a whole new look for the character and it's his environs and I was contacted uh, very early on I was one of the first artists contacted uh, they wanted me at first to be the continuity cop the guy who would be on the book and make sure that everything looked like the television series. That, that was to be my job. And it evolved from that into being a penciler, penciler, inker, inker, cover artist. I mean, I was, at the time, uh, I was uh, the Batman group at DC. I was their utility infielder. And wherever they needed work done, I would jump over and do a fill-in issue or something. But at the same time, I was regularly an artist on the Batman Adventures book based on the TV series. So it, I I was immersed in Batman for 15 years yeah. and, and drawn all different kinds of versions of the character <laughs> and doing everything from monthly comics to children's books for Scholastic. There was a Superman Batman magazine yes, that I, I worked that. on. Uh, we did we did everything, and um, I found myself being a Batman artist, uh, you know, by surprise. And uh, I have come to. It took me a long while to kind of embrace that because, in in effect, when I was doing the Batman Adventures books, I was trying to draw like Bruce Timm, trying to recreate that style. So it really wasn't my style of art, and and so I always kind of treated it at arm's length well come to find out that's probably anything that people know me for they know me for Batman Adventures and all those books Uh, it's it's been a double edged sword because I'm really proud of the work we did on those books but at the same time suddenly people thought that was the way I drew right that was my style and it's not (laughs) Uh, so it, it really in a way, it hurt me professionally because when people were looking for an artist for a book and they would think of me, they would think, no, he draws like 
you know, Bruce Tim, we don't want that for this book. So there was a, there was a little resistance on my part to fully embrace it, but uh, I have come to be, you know, yeah, okay, I'm a Batman artist. It's you know, that's not a bad person to be at all. That's not a bad person to be at all. Uh, my editor, the, the head of the Batman group when I was there, was Denny O'Neill from St. Louis, uh, one of the great writers of comics yes. and a tremendous editor. And Denny told me one time, he said, "Batman opens many doors." So it's and the only time it's worked for me was I was going to a convention in Chicago and I was checking into the hotel and the lady at the desk said, uh, are you here for the convention? And I said, yes, I am. And she said, uh, do you, do you read comics? And I said, it's worse than that. I said, I draw them. <laughs> and she said, well, have you drawn anything that I would recognize? And I said, I do Batman. And she said, Oh, you've got to get a better room. <laughs> so th- that's the one time it's really opened those doors for me. But it was, it was, it was nice. It was nice that she did that. And Drawing Batman, and she made you feel like Bruce Wayne. That's nice. That is nice. <laughs> that is nice. Rick Burchard is here all weekend long. So Planet Comic Con, if you want to come down, get a sketch, talk to him, say hi. He's very approachable and very talented. Rick, thanks so much for being on oh, this once again. My pleasure. Anytime. Thank you so much. We're going to take our last commercial break. We're going to come back and wrap things up live at Planet Comic Con in Kansas City. Stand by. Hi there. This is Paris Fong, also known as Holly Quinn. Or Raven. And you're listening to geek to me Radio. We are back. Our last segment live from Planet Comic Con, the hour flew by. Uh, I want to thank again our guests, Dennis Cowan, amazing artist. He's here in Artist Alley. Keith Giffen, writer and artist. Thank you for the interview. And he is here in Artist Alley as well. Make sure you come by and get something signed from him. Henry Winkler, The Fonz, Gene Cosno in Barry, which again, Barry on HBO tomorrow, Sunday the 31st make sure you catch that on hbo and thanks again to rick burchett amazing artist he's here He'll do a sketch for you you can buy some original artwork get him to sign some stuff uh great time is had by all here at planet comic con i want to uh, mention if you're following me at all make sure you follow me on twitter at geek to me radio we are kind of posting our progress through the con you can see some great pictures we've had tara strong on as a guest before and uh, we got a picture with her so finally got to meet tara strong uh, we're about to go over and say hello again to our friend Michael Rosenbaum, who's been on the show with us before as well. So until next week, my friends. It's not in the way you watch the flash. It's not in the way you love Scotty on art. It's not in the way you play Mario Kart. Kansas City, good night.